So over the past couple of months, we have been talking about our heart as Christ's home. I'm going to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew, to the seventh chapter, and we're going to read a passage there that is, I think, familiar to many of us. But Munger has invited us into every room of Christ's heart, of our heart, has invited Christ into every room in our heart. And we've considered room by room, and this morning we're going to sort of pull all those together and talk about transferring the title. But Jesus, in this seventh chapter, is in the middle of a mountain message. He's talking to people who have been gathered for some time, and he's telling them this. Therefore, everyone who hears these words and puts them into practice. It's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet, it did not fall, because it had its foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teachings because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. So we're going to start this morning by testing your knowledge of classic American literature. Because you see, there is a well-known story in American literature that is very similar to the one that we just read. It's a classic story, and all the characters in this story are builders. And they each construct a house. There is a contrast in this story between two who build rather foolishly and one who builds very wisely. And in this story, each one of those houses faces a test. And if the, if the house was built wisely, it was able to survive the test. But if the house was built foolishly, it collapsed. Anyone recognize this story? Three Little Pigs, wonderful. This is obviously a well-read congregation. I'm not surprised at all that you got it. Each little pig in that story builds a house. And then one day, this big bad wolf comes along and says, little pig, little pig, let me come in. And each pig answers, not by the... I wish I would have wagered with somebody before church that I could get you to say that this morning. <laughs> and then the wolf replies, well, then I'll huff and I'll puff and I will blow your house down. Two of these three little pigs, you see, built their house out of junk. Maybe because it was easier. Maybe because it was cheaper. But they never stopped to ask the question, will my house stand up to the wolf test? And they don't. One little pig builds his house wisely. 
And the same wolf comes along and he huffs and he puffs and he blows, but he doesn't blow this little house down because this little pig built wisely. There is something about a house building metaphor that runs deep in our psyche. And so now in our story from scripture, Jesus comes along and he tells this story about house building. And you just know it has this deeper essential meaning to it. We have mentioned before that this is actually two stories that are set side by side. Because you see, when Jesus tells parables, especially parables like this, it is best to understand by looking at the two stories' similarities and trying then to determine what the variable is, what the difference is between the two, because it's the variable, it's the difference that is the focus, is the point of the teaching. It's the point on which the whole story turns. So we're going to walk through that again this morning and look at what is the teaching point. What's the issue that Jesus wants to get across for us and for those disciples? So note, both people in Jesus' story build a house, both of them. That detail is the same. It doesn't vary. You see, house building is not an option in this story. To understand the story maybe at a little different level, we could substitute something for the word house. We could use the word character, for example, or soul, or life, or heart. Because what Jesus is really talking about here is building our life. He's talking about how we care for our soul. He's talking about himself coming in and sitting on the throne of our heart. The materials that you and I use to construct our house, our life, our character, come from the choices that you and I make every single day. We often tend to get distracted from the main thing. And we prefer to focus on what we would call the daily circumstances, the daily events of our life. And we lose the big perspective. The truth is, all our circumstances, all these events are finite. At best, they're going to last a lifetime. In the eternal picture, however, most of those events don't matter at all. What really matters is our soul, our heart, our life. Eternity. But we're constructing our life now. We're constructing our life here. We're constructing our life every day, good or bad, intentionally or casually, choice by choice by choice. Every time we choose one thing, we're not choosing a whole lot of other things. Every time we choose something, we don't choose something. And we're building our house brick by brick, our heart, our soul, and our daily choices all have eternal implications. The problem is that we little piggies often make very foolish choices. Anybody here ever made a foolish choice? And even though I said a couple of weeks ago that mass confessions are seldom helpful, this morning I would like to do a brief mass confession 
The question on the table is going to be, have I ever made a foolish choice? In a moment, I'm going to invite you to raise your hand if you would answer in the affirmative. But first, I'd like to run through some questions to help jog your memory. Have you ever made a commitment that you wish you hadn't made? Have you ever said something you later regretted? Have you ever dated anybody strictly because you found them attractive? Have you ever made a foolish investment? Have you ever bought something that you really didn't need? Have you ever made a promise that you didn't keep? Have you ever ignored your father or your mother's advice? Have you ever made a foolish choice with your time, with your money, with your behavior, with your vocation, with your parenting, with your friendships, with your stock investments, or with your spiritual life? If so, raise your hand. And now turn to the person next to you and say, I am one foolish little piggy. <laughs> Have you ever done something silly just because your pastor asked you to do something silly? And the answer is, not by the hair of my... All right. That's twice. Okay, so we are all building a house. And the Bible says that God is very interested in how you and I are building, constructing our house, our homes, our lives. In fact, Paul says in 1 Corinthians in the third chapter, there are various kinds of materials that can be used to build on that foundation. Some use gold and silver and jewels. Some build with sticks and hay and even straw. There is going to come a time of testing of Christ's judgment day, at Christ's judgment day to see what kind of material each builder has used. Everyone's work will be put through the fire so that all can see whether or not it keeps its value and what was really accomplished. And then every worker who has built on the foundation with the right materials and whose work still stands, will get their pay. What a day that is going to be. And the truth is, it's really going to happen. Like it or not, you and I are going to be held accountable, responsible for how you and I build our house, our character, our soul, our heart, our life. Not only here and now, but in eternity. Some people do some really goofy things with their houses. There is a house in San Jose, California. It is known as the Winchester Mystery House. Maybe some of you have seen it or been there. You can look it up, Google it, if you will. It is an absolutely fascinating place. It was built by Mrs. Winchester. Her husband was the Winchester rifle guy. He died. And then their only child died, and she turned to the occult. Mrs. Winchester developed the odd belief that as long as she kept building her house, this mystery house, death would be confused and wouldn't be able to find her, and she would not die. She would be safe and live on. So she built this enormous house. 16 carpenters worked every day for 38 years in the building of this house. It contains 2,000 doors. My house has 15. 
160 rooms, 10,000 windows. There are more windows in the Winchester House than in the Empire State Building. The front doors cost $3,000. In those days, you could build an entire house for less than $3,000. They were used just one time. The worker who installed them walked through them and shut them when he was finished. You can walk upstairs that lead to the ceiling. You can open doors to a brick wall. You can go round and round on the stairways. Mrs. Winchester was still building her house, however, when death came. Death was not confused. It never is. And then it took eight trucks working seven days a week for six and a half weeks just to haul away all the extra stuff that she had accumulated, the building supplies for future building projects. You see, no matter what kind of house you build, and there are some great houses around, one day death is going to find each one of us and you and I are going to be held accountable, have to give an accounting for the house that we've built. That's a constant, Jesus says. We're all building houses. Every person, whether we want to or whether we don't want to. And one day, every one of our houses will be tested. You see, Jesus says every house faces a storm or multiple storms. The wolf comes to the door of the little piggy's house and huffs and puffs. Not only are we house builders, but each of us are storm facers. Jesus' description of the storms that come is absolutely identical. It is word for word. Because Jesus wants to make it absolutely clear that this is not a story about how to build a house where storms never come. So about the house on the sand, Jesus says, and I quote, the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, end quote. And then about the house that was built on the rock, Jesus says, the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Exact same phrase. We would prefer the opportunity to be able to build storm-free, temptation-free, problem-free, setback-free. Unfortunately, no matter where you live, no matter how you and I build, no matter what resources we have at our disposal, storms will come. So Jesus, Jesus isn't really telling the kind of story we would like for him to tell. We would like him to tell us that if we build like this, if we do this and we don't do that, then we will never have to face a storm. We would never have to grieve loss. We would never have to get hurt. We would never have to deal with pain. We wouldn't have cancers and problems. We would never feel alone or be discouraged. But this is not a story about how to avoid storms. Because Jesus is reminding us storms always come. We will encounter huffing and puffing in our life. We will encounter some very nasty wolves. 
Some people still think, I'm smart enough. I am rich enough. I got enough resources, enough experience. I can handle any storms that might come my way. And Jesus says, no, you don't. Smarts, riches, resources. Truth is, they don't make all that much difference, Jesus says. Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow because, you know, tomorrow is going to be brilliant and sunny and wonderful. Except Jesus doesn't say that. Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow because you know what? Tomorrow is going to have its own problems. And so why take on tomorrow's problems when you have sufficient problems to deal with today? So stay focused. And we say, great. Today's trouble is enough for today. That's the good news. Tomorrow, more troubles. That's the world you and I live in. There are storms all the time, just in different parts and places and ways. An employee with 30 years of seniority, downsized, now out of a job. Would-be parents who would love to have children still battling infertility. A parent who dies after a long battle with cancer, leaving a spouse and three young children. A worldwide pandemic that suddenly changes everything for everyone. Storms come into every life. No one is able bright or clever enough to engineer a storm-free life. The truth is, if you're not in the midst of a storm or two right now, check the radar. It's on the horizon. See, life is not about storm avoidance. It's not about trying to make sure all our future circumstances are smooth and pleasant. That's impossible, Jesus says. What really matters and what is really Jesus' variable in this story is the hinge point, if you will. It comes down to this. What or who are you building your house on? What does your foundation look like? Or we could ask it in another way, in the way Bob Munger asks it in his book. Who owns the title to your heart? You see, a house's viability depends on its foundation. That's the teaching point of Jesus' message of his parable. You can build your life on the rock. Or you can build your life on the sand. Jesus says in verse 24, whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on a rock. Tom Wright, a New Testament scholar, writes, in Jesus' day, the way to God was symbolized by the temple in Jerusalem. The temple, you may recall, was built on what is known today as Temple Mount or Temple Rock. It's a rocky outcropping on the east side of what is known as the old city of Jerusalem. So it is literally the temple is the house on the rock. 
And now Jesus is coming along and he's suggesting to his Jewish listeners that God's real house on the rock is not the temple in Jerusalem, but it is the community of people who will build their lives on his teaching. He who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, he says. Now, some acknowledged that he taught as one having authority, Matthew writes. But the truth is there were many, many people who at this point started to push back against these bold, staggering, audacious, even blasphemous claims of Jesus. But Jesus pushes it even a bit farther. Jesus says, you've got to build your whole life on someone or someone or something. And if you build your house on these words of mine, not on the words of the Torah, not on the words of the Midrash, but on my words, you will be like the wise man who built his house on the rock. Needless to say, these words of Jesus prompted some significant controversy and pushback. But Jesus is saying, if you listen to me and if you do what I say with your time and with your money and with your values and with your relationships and with your life, if you invite me to come into every single room of your heart, you will be wise. Then whenever a storm hits, since you have built on a rock, on the rock, if you will. You'll preserve and you will survive. Build your life on anyone or anything else, and it's like building on the sand, foolishly. Because then when the storms come, and they will come, your life, as impressive as it may look, will begin to fall apart and crumble and wash away. Now the obvious question here is, how did the sand builder get in such a mess? Why would anyone want to build on sand, knowing what happens when you build on sand? Anyone knows that building on sand is a poor construction decision. The likely answer is, the builder didn't pay all that much attention. He didn't set out to build on sand. No one sets out to intentionally do wrong or evil or, or be sinful. He just took the easier, the simpler, the less costly, the less time-consuming way. And so Jesus describes him as foolish. Foolishness is the default human condition. When kids do something foolish, parents, and I don't know why we keep doing this, we ask the same question, why'd you do that? Parents have been asking that question for centuries, and I don't think it's going to come to an end anytime soon. But it's a question designed to try to make some sense out of what is unexplainable and inexplicable. It is a search for meaning and rationality that simply doesn't exist. It's a question. It's a, it's a three-lettered word. Why? Why did you stick that spaghetti noodle up your brother's nose? Why did you cut the one side of your sister's hair off? Why did you park your bike right under the rear wheel of the, of the car? For an equal number of centuries, kids have always answered the same way. I don't know. If they knew why, they probably wouldn't have done it. 
If they had thought ahead, if they had planned it, it probably wouldn't have happened. Why? I don't know. Why? I don't know. Why? I don't know. If you were to say, you foolish people, knowing you have only one life, knowing that a storm is coming, knowing that you are going to die, why would you build your one and only house on sand? I don't know. Just seemed like a good idea at the time. No builder said, says, this is sand land. A storm will come and wash away your house if we build here. But you know what? Let's build here anyway, just for the fun of it. Nobody says that. It just happens because we're not paying attention. Because we're not focused on the main thing. Because our heart is lost. But back to real life. Our one and only life. No one plans to lead a mediocre life. That's no one's dream. No couple gets married and sits down before the wedding and says, so how are we going to get divorced? No one orders a drink with dinner and says, I can't wait to be an alcoholic. No one has a child and says, you know what? I plan to be so wrapped up in myself and in my career that my children won't know me at all and they'll grow up bitter and resentful of me. No one nurses a grudge and says, I want to be bitter and angry and resentful for the rest of my life. No one sits down, pushes Jesus out of their life and plans to go to hell. It just happens. Why? I don't know. So Jesus, as we have been talking, comes and intentionally knocks on our door and says, I want to come in. Jesus pleads with us, build your house. Build your life on the rock. Build it on me, Jesus Christ, so that when the storms come and when the accountability is necessary, your house will stand. In 2018... Michael, a Category 4 hurricane devastated Mexico Beach in Florida. And except for LeBron Lackey's newly built house, everything was demolished. In constructing his home, he decided to go above and beyond the local building code. He added a bit more concrete, a few more pilings, more metal ties to hold the roof down. He built wisely. The storm came. And it was a big one. And the neighboring houses crashed. His remains standing. In retrospect, he acknowledged that the extra effort was worth it. And his advice to anyone who would listen, if you want it to last, build it above and beyond. Good advice. This morning we're finishing up this series, My Heart Cries Home. It's about our heart. It's about our life. It's about our eternal destiny. It's about building our lives above, in heaven, where moth and rust, the scripture says, do not destroy, and beyond eternity. So Bob Munger, as he closes out his little book, writes, 
After having taken Jesus into every messy room, one after the other, and getting tired, I said, Lord, is there a possibility that you would be willing to manage the whole house and operate it for me just as you did in that closet? Could I give you the responsibility of keeping my heart where it ought to be and myself doing what I ought to be doing? I could see his face just light up as he replied, I would love to. This is exactly what I came to do. You can't live out the Christian life in your own strength. That is impossible. I'd love to do it for you. But I'm not the owner of this house. I'm just your guest. I have no authority. In a flash, it all became clear. Excitedly, I proclaimed, Lord, you have been my guest, and I have been trying to play the host, but from now on, you will be the owner and master of the house. Running as fast as I could to the strong box, I took out the title deed to the house. And rushing back to him, I eagerly signed it over, giving him the title to him and to him alone for time and for eternity. Then dropping to my knees, I presented it to him. Here it is. All that I am. And have forever. Now you run the house. End quote. Have you signed the title of your life over to Jesus Christ? Remember, if he holds the title, you belong to him, body and soul. And you will need to do exactly what he says. That means you are giving up your agenda and your goals, and your dreams, and your opinions, and your desires, and your passions for his. All of them. But building a home, a house, a life where Christ owns the title means that we will be able to survive the storms of life. Maybe it's a job problem. Maybe you're wrestling with anger and with bitterness. Maybe you're struggling in your marriage or with the divorce that you've gone through. Maybe you have a child who seems to be headed in the wrong direction and you've tried to fix it, but you can't. Maybe you've been told you have cancer or the early stages of dementia or you're dealing with Parkinson's. Maybe you've lost somebody who you really loved. Maybe somebody rejected you and your heart is bleeding. Storms come. The question is, who have you built your house on? Who owns the title to your heart? Don't wait for the storm to start building. A long time ago, there was a master carpenter who built great houses. After decades of working for the same employer, he decided it was time to retire. His boss said, okay, but there is one more house that I need you to build. It's a house to be built on a beautiful lot with a magnificent view. It is designed to be a dream house. And you You are the best one to build it. 
please spare no expense. So this master builder agreed. He needed money in order for him and his wife to be able to build a small little cottage for his retirement. So he said, okay, but truth is his heart wasn't really in it. He resented having to do all the work himself. So he started cutting corners. He got sloppy. He substituted particle board for hardwood. He used plastic where copper pipes were were called for. The walls that got put up weren't plumb. He did little things that would make Chip and Johanna Gaines sick to their stomach. When he finally finished, the boss, the owner of the company, shook his hand and thanked him for the decades that they had worked together and handed him a little envelope. And when he opened it, he found to his shock that it contained the title and the key to the house that he had just completed. He didn't know the house he had been building with resentment and haste and even dishonesty would be the place where he would spend the rest of his years. See, day after day, you and I have the opportunity to build something amazing, something truly special, something eternal. Don't miss this opportunity of your life. Spare no expense. Don't make the same mistake. Turn the title of your heart, of your life, of your eternal destiny over to Jesus Christ. Do it today if you haven't done it already. Invite him to come into your life to stay.